right, so we are second, this is our second day, our second Sunday, we're talking about angels. And if you need a handout, I've got several up here that you need. So in review, we talked about how angels were a created being. And we went through kind of the attributes of the angels, anybody else? And that first page or two goes through this. And so just kind of in review, the, the points we hit are kind of uh, there on page um, bottom of one and two where we give our definition. So created beings we talked about and their spirit beings. Um, they're referred to uh, in the masculine gender. They're eternal, intelligent, higher than men. We have also talked about how for the time, but later we will, we will judge the angels. Uh, ex excel in physical strength, stand in the presence of God. So we went through and described um, angels. We had a little bit of discussion on maybe the difference between, like, what about the seraphim and the, the cherubim and that type of thing. And so I want to talk about a little bit about how before we move on, uh, the course kind of that we're doing now is we're, we're picking specific topics and we're like putting them in a system. When we say systematic theology, that's what we mean is that we take all the scriptures around a certain topic and we group them together to say, this is what the Bible says about salvation. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. This is what the Bible says about angels. Okay? And we want to make sure, sometimes we run the risk of once we get our system in place, we use that system to then interpret what each specific scripture says. Okay, well, we know from our systematic theology that these are what angels are. So that tells me, right, what this Bible passage means at any particular point. Okay, so can you see where maybe there's a little bit of a problem with that kind of approach? What would be a problem with? That there's a, a, a bias already in place when you've established a framework in your mind before coming to the scripture. Yeah, yeah. And so can you think of uh, any, any ways in which, right, how can we guard against, or what, what needs to happen here when we, when we approach our systematic theology? Is that when we talk about angels, this is an example. So what about cherubim and seraphim? Are those angels? Are they something else, right? What do we mean by and angels when we talk about them. And so our goal is that whatever we decide um, our theology is, it's always, instead of going this way and interpreting the Bible, right, the Bible is always influencing right, where we're getting our systematic theology. And so when we have to like make adjustments or say, my system doesn't seem to fit what this particular scripture says, right, then what do we change? We, we change the system, right? We change the system. We always adjust the system and know that 
sometimes it may not be nice and neat as much as we like to fit it into, okay, clear definitions, no problems, no, no issues. And there may be times where we see a scripture like, I don't see how these two things fit perfectly together, right? And so we have to make sure that we're consistently holding to the scriptures and adjusting our system in regards to that, all right? Um, so in light of that, let's, let's look back at our first, on page one, just want to real, before we go on, look at our definition for what we said angels were. So we're saying, just for the purpose of our, our study, angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, but without physical bodies. They come in different orders, such as cherubim, who guard the garden, seraphim, who worship the Lord in the temple. Michael is described as an archangel. However, scripture is unclear as to whether or not there is a systematic rank, even though we do not know how they're ordered. The Bible testifies there's myriads and myriads. So we can have, you know, a system where, okay, cherubim is something else, seraphim is something else, and we're going to define angels more narrowly as, okay, these are just the messengers of the Lord. Or we could say, as we did here, that they are these, all the spiritual beings, anything that's not, right, we have God over here, we have our physical beings created in the image of God and man, and then we're defining everything in here, right, as angels. And we'll talk about, we'll get to fallen angels, we'll talk about Satan, but for right now that's kind of our, our group, our definition. Okay. Any thoughts as we think about that? Yeah. I know we mentioned, um, you know, we had that whole discussion kind of surrounding the, the, the creatures, mm -hmm. you know, last week. Yeah, the four living creatures. They would fit into that as well. So, seraphim, uh, cherubim, the, the four living creatures. So, I think my question is, how do they fit um, within the context, and maybe there's not an answer for this, but how do they fit into the category of angels when Revelation states that all the angels... And, and it says all the angels surrounded the creatures. So mm -hmm. why would it not, you know, like, does that make sense? Yeah, you want to go to the text? Which text are you talking about? Let me see if I can find the exact Okay. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So we, when we find the text, we want to go there, and, you know, if it's referring to the angels. Uh, another good example is that um, the, this is somewhat unrelated, but the term the angel of the Lord or versus an angel of the Lord. There's some times where the angel of the Lord is, um, in its interactions, is uh, representative of God himself. But then there's a couple of places where um, the, God is speaking to the angel of the Lord. And so whether or not what is meant by the angel of the Lord, is that representing God as in, in the, the Old Testament, or is that a, a, just an angel that's rep representing him? So you got to... Yeah, so okay. it's Revelation chapter 7. All right, let's go to Revelation 7. It's actually, yeah, it's, on, it's on your papers. Oh, good. Which part, which page in the handout are we on? Okay. And it says, And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. So, it, you know... Maybe I'm getting too hung up on this. <laughs> and we can just move on. But I just, I don't know. It seems like it states all the angels, and then it mm -hmm. mentions the creatures. And so within the context of there's God, angels, and man, 
where do the creatures fall? <coughs> all the angels are one category, and then the creatures are another. Mm-hmm. Or like you know the the, the four living creatures yeah. are another. Yeah, that would be that would be fine to say too. You could say, uh, I think as as what I'm saying is that how you define your terms mm-hmm. um, in here, whether you want to say, okay, there's living creatures too, right? If you want to create a separate category, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that'd be like saying all the people were standing around Abraham. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. Abraham's not a person. He's mm-hmm. being singled out because he's in a certain position. And that's here he's, in both cases, 5 and, 11, and 7, it's talking about their position in the throne room. Okay. That the living creatures are where the elders are and where the Lord Yeah, is. so when you're pointing out specific ones, you don't have to say, and all the other angels, or right? Mm-hmm. Different ways you could you know, say that grammatically. Um, and it's also in the absence of any text that says these are separate from the angels or different from the angels. There's nothing that really yeah. points that, makes a distinction between them. Okay, so let's get in, and I, it, I think that's a good discussion as we get into, uh, on page three, that part C, is we're going to talk about the ministry of the angels. And so when we think about this, right, what do they do? What do these angels do? Um, Just because we see angels doing something, we say this is a ministry of the angels, doesn't mean that there's a contradiction when we see somewhere else the the angels are doing something else. Okay, so these are we're just looking at what does Scripture affirm about what do angels do? What is their what is their purpose? Okay, what what is their role? And so, let's look at uh, a few verses together. Uh, one of the first ones is that angels are continually praising God. Okay, and so you just mentioned Revelation seven, right? Revelation seven eleven. We also have Job thirty eight seven. So when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So what what do they use for angels here? What is the stars? The, yeah, the morning stars, and then what else? Sons of, sons of God, right? And we talked about that. How like there's different language that are used uh, to talk about um, who the angels are, and then bless the Lord, you His angels, mighty in strength, who perform His word, obeying the voice of His word. So that's. One of the key things, I think that's where we ended last time as well, and we named a couple of other times. Where else do you see angels worshiping God? So see it in Revelation. Where else do you see angels being a part of the worship of God? Beginning of the Gospels would be that one of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yep, they appear to the shepherds in the field. We looked at that one. Anything from the Old Testament where you can think of angels appearing? Isaiah chapter 6. Yeah. Right, and that's the. The throne of God. Mm-hmm. And was that the cherubim or the seraphim? I think we decided they were seraphim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've got that's one of their key roles is that they they worship and, and bring glory and praise to God. Right? Which, um, and I like how um, in many ways the angels serve uh, or can serve as an example to us in that way. Um, we are to be we will be like the angels, so that. Um, we can look to them as worshiping God and how they continually glorify God. So a second thing is angels reveal and communicate God's message to humans. So I get some volunteers. Maybe you want to get Acts 8, 26. Okay, you can read that one. And then Hebrews 2, 2. Somebody will read it. Okay, you get that one. And then, okay, yeah, let's read this. 
For the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And then Hebrews 2.2. 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Comma. No, we'll, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it there. Okay. Then something happened. Right? So we can see that um, besides worship, they're communicating. So... And um, this, this word, right, angel, right, it's like messenger. Right, so what are, some, what are some of the messages that angels have brought? What can you think of in scripture? Just think about examples from the... Get out of Sodom. Yeah, yeah. And they... Let's go. Let's go there. Genesis. One of our favorite Gen- angel One, stories. Yeah. So this is going to be Genesis 19. 19. So there's a lot going on with the angels' visit here. <laughs> right. Um, let's go to. Let's start maybe in in 15. So as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Right? Very clear message. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So they were not only messengers, but they physically... Brought, like seized them and as they brought them out one said escape for your life do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley escape to the hills lest you be swept away so again they're warning them okay warning them and Lot said to them oh no my lords behold your servant has found favor in your sight and you have shown me great kindness and saved my life but I cannot escape to the hills lest the disaster overtake me and I die behold this city is near enough to flee to and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Right? So you can see um, they communicate the message. And they also, right, they actually physically say, Let's go, we're leaving. Right? Because they were lingering behind. So there's this role of protecting. And we talked about that a little bit last time where we talked about it. We have guardian, guardian angels last time. And so we see them, them seeing them from the judgment that God brought. Any other mes- message places where we see angels communicating a clear message? I hey, your kid's going to be question. gone. Okay, let's go question first. Well, a question or observation, but I know that... A lot of times, the or not a lot of times, but I know like the story of Genesis can be told through the stars, and like the the birth of Jesus was told through the stars, and then you know there was a star that led the wise men. Uh-huh. Is uh-huh. there any connection between angels being messengers and also being referred to as morning stars? Like, is hmm. there any? Well, kind of like you're wondering, what is there something significant about that? Yeah, that. 
Yeah. Would it be more general, like reference to signs in general? What do you mean? So, I mean, the star was a sign, right? Mm -hmm. And then there were certain signs that Jews are always looking for because they experience God's deliverance in different ways, mm -hmm. kind of what they connect to. That might be separate, but yeah, I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it seems like in the in the story of Jesus, they're they're not necessarily connected. Like there was a sign, was this, this, the star was a sign for them to follow, and then the angels appeared. But I don't know that it was necessarily that the the star was an angel in that in that particular time. But yeah, in the Old Testament, um, there's uh, that passage where they're referred to as the morning stars. Okay. Um, but I don't know that there's anything specifically significant about each star as an angel or anything yeah. like that. Anybody else? Any any stars? And <laughs> but it is um, you know there's a there's an idea that um, when you when you think about when angels were created, um, there's some that would say you know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was empty and without form. And so some would postulate that the heavens and contrast were not empty and without form, that possibly the angels were created on that first day as part of the, the heavens and the rest of the people. So um, there is kind of a, this idea in as you look at the Old Testament as the angels being part of the heavens and for us from earth that we see the stars are in the heavens. Yeah, do is there anything in the Bible that would support uh, people having guardian angels? Were you here last you week? We hear that a lot. Were you here last week? No. Okay, <laughs> I'm just making sure because we did we had this discussion a little bit. Yeah, last Sorry. Week. That's all right. Yeah. So um, what we talked about was that, and we'll talk about it a little bit today. There's no um, clear message in the Bible that says every person has a guardian angel. There is a sense in which um, Jesus talks about um, angels protecting um, his children. We went to a text that was in, or was it Matthew? 18, 10. 18, yeah. And so we kind of discussed that a little bit, and we talked about how um, the role of angels in protecting is one that is clearly, that is clearly taught in Scripture, is that one of their roles is to protect the children of God. So, um, but no conclusive, everybody has a guardian angel. So that's kind of where we landed last time. If you guys want, um, let's look at, let's flip to in Psalms. I thought this might be one we could bring out that were to come up again. Psalm 91. Kind of bouncing around a little bit. Just as we, I'm going to read through and just listen to uh, the psalm as a whole, and then you'll probably recognize uh, there's a couple verses in here that, that talk to and address angels. <clears throat> so he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. 
His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show my, him my salvation. So you see, right, where, what was the ver- where do we see angels? Yeah, verse 11 and, and 12, right? But really, what's the, what would you say the, the main message of the psalm is? It's the point that we have a guardian angel. It's actually God's protection. Yeah, I mean, if we look all the way through, it's the shelter, the, the refuge of God. But the angels are created by God, and they serve that, that same purpose. I think we t- one of the things we talked about too, Judy, was that I can't remember who it was over here brought up that really it's God that's the one that is guarding and protecting us, and the angels are serving as a part of that, part of this plan to do that. Any other noticeable things? What do you notice about this passage from that verse? Where else do you see that verse? Yeah, let's go to Matthew four, right? So this is. Satan was talking, he's, he knows the scriptures, and he's talking about angels here in Matthew. I think it's 4. Yeah, so, right, Jesus is being tempted in the desert. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Right? So Satan's saying, look, it says right here in these two verses that um, God's angels will protect you, so just go ahead and jump off the, the temple here. And so, and how's, how does Jesus answer him? And it is written, you should not put the Lord your God to yeah, so he gives him a correct uh, theology there on like the purpose is not to test the Lord by seeing if what the angels will protect me from, but to put your faith in the Lord, not testing him. So um, there's a lot of times where we see angels uh, filling that role of protecting, but we also see them communicating as well. Um, there's also the example of uh, in the New Testament we see them, you know, giving the the name of uh, John the Baptist. You just saw call his name John. So giving some very clear direction. Also with Jesus, right? The fl- that uh, you should call his name Jesus. That you should not divorce Mary. And then even the flea that uh, during the time of the persecution. So a lot of very specific uh, communication given through the angels um, to protect 
and to renounce around the, the life of Jesus. I do think it's interesting too in the account of Jesus that uh, once uh, at, the, at the end of Jesus' temptation, the angels came minister, and ministered to him. To him. So yeah. there is a very, there's a, mm-hmm. a, a tending to, a physical tending to, mm-hmm. well, yeah. I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. I wonder if they brought him anything to eat. It was delicious. Angel food cake. Sorry, it just it can't help it. It just it just comes out. It just man. comes out. <laughs> you can't teach it. Yeah. It's got to be a dad. Be a dad. <laughs> so. Okay, and then there's a couple more, right? So let's go to um, Second Kings. I guess before we do that, any other questions or thoughts as we kind of talk about those ideas? Worship, communicating, and protecting. Okay. So let's look. Second Kings 1935. Okay. Andrew, you get that one? First Kings? Second Kings, I think. That's what Tim Yeah. Okay. Second Kings 1935. Then it happened that night, and the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. Mm-hmm. And then Acts 12:23. Okay, get that one. Paper. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. Yeah. So they can be, um, you know, execute God's <coughs> wrath. Okay. Yeah. Harry had a bad day. Very bad day. Just bad day. And uh, there's. There are there's other places there where we see that, but that's that can be the way that God executes judgment is through through the angels themselves. So, um, not I guess it. How does that kind of rub against maybe kind of our cultural view of, of angels? I think it's a lot similar to a lot of people's view of Jesus. Mm-hmm. In that, where it's uh, oh my lambs, you know I love all of you so much. I would never tell you mm-hmm. not to do something. Like, do what you yeah. want. Do what makes you happy. Yeah. fact is, I mean, for one, we know more about hell from Jesus than, than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And like, the angels are similar. You know, we see angels as like, oh, you know, guardian angels mm-hmm. and your own personal angel protecting you. And when mm-hmm. people die, they grow up as angels. And they're just these perfect, loving creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, like no, like mm-hmm. I mean, not that they aren't loving, and not that you know they don't have a, a holy design, um, but they're not they're not there to make our lives better. They're there they're there to make sure that God is honored, mm-hmm. and through that, a lot of people's lives are made better. Yeah, right. But uh, but they're not specifically here to give us what we want. There you go. And so and so you know. They, they, they can and they have struck people yeah. down. Or yeah, very much. Down. Think about angel soft toilet paper. <laughs> angel soft. <laughs> like, how did angels get us become associated with like soft, cushy comfort? Yeah. 
the clouds and uh, yeah, precious yeah. moments. You know, precious all the, moments. All the yeah. imaging and you know things. Little like baby angels. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we it's that that one may be less likely and to uh, kind of just naturally appear in what we think about when we, when we go to angels. So um, we see that they'll be involved also, um, and we kind of get allusions to this I think earlier as well. But in Matthew twenty five thirty one, but when the Son of Man comes in glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious mm-hmm. throne. Right. So we see that it's not just going to be Jesus coming in the clouds. It's this host of the heavenly angels. Um, I was thinking about where where do we also see uh, Jesus talking about angels coming? Um, or where did he he say I could have brought angels, right? When does he when does that happen? It's this army of angels, this host of heaven. But he holds them back. When does he do that? Revelation. Does he? When? It's not the one I'm thinking of. He was being delivered. That's. I guess that's the one I was thinking of mainly. Is that right? There was this time where there's the arrest in the garden, right? And it's like they, man felt like, okay, we we've, we've got him, right? And he kind of mentions. Um, so let's go. Let's go look at that. And John. Uh, probably not sure which is the best one for that. Maybe Matthew 26. Maybe. That's what I was thinking. Is that where? Let's look there. Uh, Go ahead and read it. Maybe just starting in verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back <coughs> into its place, for, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will out? He will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels. Yeah. So like there's this this ever present this this thought in his mind. He knows that there's this host of angels just waiting to do. And it could have been to execute judgment. Right? Which is sometimes what what we would want is that God just brings the judgment against evil, but at that point he was still still waiting, right? So they definitely can't execute judgment it, and right at Christ's return. They can uh, return of Christ. So is there anything kind of as we get ready to move into talking about demons, anything in ter- terms of the role of angels that you still maybe have questions about in terms of what they do, why they do <coughs> that. Scott, yeah. I think there is one aspect, and it's a little bit like we have to tread carefully. Okay. But there is, I think, that aspect that there is a uh, combatant nature with the angels. Mm-hmm. You fight for the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think we get like small tastes of what we cannot see. Mm-hmm. For instance, in like Daniel 10, Mm-hmm. about that kind of taking place and I think it's Gabriel who's coming with a message to Daniel and he was held up but then it describes as Michael coming to his aid 
to free him up. And so there is this kind of side note. We have to be very careful how we wade into that. Yeah. I think that I was reading in one that, that one of the ways in which we can be aware, like our study of angels, especially in that context, it helps us to be aware that there is a spiritual reality that is very real apart from the physical world. And so when you read that text, you don't see it, it's invisible, but it's very clearly outlined that the angels, the demons, you see it elsewhere in Job, right? You see the angels and demons presenting themselves, you see Satan coming before um, the Lord, you see in the New Testament that Satan's you know, roaming around like a roaring lion. So there's this very real, when we think about angels and demons, it's important to realize that there's a lot of invisible things going on in the spiritual. So when we're talking with people sometimes that, um, you know, like you said, you want to be careful not to attribute that was an angel or that was a demon or, you know, but that is a real, it is a very real possibility. It is a very real reality. You know, there's, you know, there was a time in my life where I remember I, I, I pulled up to a stop sign and I was a very not a great driver. I just quick stop and hit the gas, and it might had a very faithful vehicle, but it died. I was like, what? And a car zooms by, right? Just where this this intersection. I thought, well, if there's ever been a time where maybe there is a, you know, don't go here, kind of a protection. Maybe, maybe that could have been it. But maybe there's that was just a coincidence, right? But there's a sense in which there's this very real spirituality. We're not going to take time to share all the data. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to open that. Account. Don't open that. Just the lid on <laughs> This one time, a parking lot at this spot appeared. <laughs> so we'll save that for Dave. When you, you can leave that. Jason, Jason, yep. I got So okay, so let's talk about um, what do we mean and what. What are what is the origin of demons? So, demons are we're going to say that demons, uh, looking in scriptures, are angels who rebelled, evil angels, created at the same time of angels, but subsequently rebelled. So, Second Peter two four gives us a little bit of insight into this. Joe, you want to read that one? For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them the pit of darkness reserved for judgment. Yeah, so, and there's a lot of questions that, you know, people ask that we we don't have a lot of insight into why. Like, why would the, why did the angels rebel? You know, why did they follow Satan when he rebelled? And so, um, not to like burst your bubble like, okay, I'm going to explain everything, right? But the scripture does clearly say that these were created as angels, and they rebelled. They, and God did not spare them, but cast them into hell. And so this is one unique um, difference, like when you think about man. So man has, we have all rebelled against God as well, but man is different from the angels in this, in that God has saved many of us from our sins. He has redeemed us back from our sin, saving us from hell, where he doesn't do that for any of the angels. All the angels that sin, they all are cast into hell. Does that mean then that any of the angels at any time could sin, they just choose not to? Okay, let me make sure I understand. So you're you're asking, 
do the angels have the ability, the ones that are have not rebelled, that they have the ability? Would they do they have the ability to sin? Yeah, or like because I don't imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't imagine that God created all the angels like He had this amount of evil angels that He created, and then this amount of good ones. Well, yeah, I mean, in one sense, we want to frame it in the sense that we know in the same way that um, we know that we, I'm going to kind of link it to election, that we would never um, turn away from or be redeemed other than his active work in that. Um, That God knew in his creation um, when he created the angels and created them and that they, he knew that this would happen and it's all under his control in a sense and so in some ways you, <clears throat> Satan is a servant of God doing his bidding in one sense right? that he's allowed permitted to do these things um, so like your question like was it a one time event the rebellion that happened or is it like is there capacity that they could you know, be falling off one by one throughout time. I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, can they sin? Yes or no? They just choose not to. Oh, yeah, I, okay. I got you, Andy. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for putting, <laughs> simplifying it. Simplifying it. Simplifying it. Well, I'm going to say, I will say that when you talk about the angel sinning, it's, from, from what all the scriptures I think, it's always past tense. And so part of me would say there's nothing in the scripture that makes me think that any of the current angels will sin and become demons. But I also don't have a conclusive text that affirms that. So, yeah. yeah it seems that angels are more obedient to whatever kingdom they fall in. Like, no matter what. I mean, I haven't seen, I don't know. But, mm-hmm. but then does that make implications on, like, the beginning of Genesis 6? Yeah, and I guess one thing is that, like, one nice thing that we can learn about study of angels is that we have a very curious nature, and it's easy for us to want to speculate and make conjectures on Right, does the scripture, does the scripture say, say this or that? And that can be good because it can drive us to, okay, let's look and see. What, is it, what does it say? Is there a possibility? Um, but we also, at the same time, if we're looking and looking and looking and we're really not finding any answer to that question, we can kind of reason that that is not an important enough question that it's essential to us and to our, to our faith to know the answer to that. And it's fine to conjecture so long as we don't you know, reject anything that's affirmed by scripture. Yeah. One side of this is, theoretically, if the angel were to appear and tell you to do something, mm-hmm. if they could fall, how do you know if it's really from God or not, right? Mm-hmm. And that makes me think of Galatians yeah. 1.8. Paul says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Mm-hmm. So there is a sense where even if a spiritual being comes to you, and, and also says elsewhere that the devil dressed himself as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. So we, there still is a, an evaluative aspect. Reevaluate what any being says mm-hmm. in light of the word of God, in light of the gospel that we've received. Yeah. So whether or not the angel could 
passed from being a good angel to a bad to a, to a demon, yeah. <laughs> right? right? Today, right. Uh, the, the point is is that we have to evaluate what's told in light of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so, and uh, that's it's an amazing it's kind of an amazing thing to think that the word that you have is you're to depend more on that than a supernatural powerful being who could do all of these things, this is more trustworthy and more reliable. We're to depend on that more than, like you're saying, in Galatians. So. I don't know if that was a yes or no, Andy. No. It's close as you're, <laughs> close as you're gonna get. I'll say it, no. No, it wasn't a good answer. <laughs> well, let's talk about the king of demons. <laughs> so, king of demons. The king of demons. Now, there's a lot of terms for Satan as well. So, uh, adversary, accuser. Um, it can be rendered that way, uh, like in Job. In the New Testament, um, you've got Diablos, or the devil, um, the dragon, and the old serpent in Revelation, the prince of this world, prince of the power of the air, the god of this world. So, there's a lot of names here. Um, my kids, we were reading one that was... Beelzebul. No, like, is it Beelzebub or Beelzebul? It's like, let's just go with whatever's in there. Text right here. <laughs> so, uh, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, right? The distinct personality of Satan is activity. Tempted the Lord. So, we read that text in Matthew 4, right? Here we've got, oh, Beelzebub, the prince of devils. The constant enemy of Christ, the divine kingdom, the followers of Christ. Um, his power is great in the world. He's described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you can see there's quite a few texts here that describe his, his behavior. Men are said to be taken captive by him. Uh, so like if you think about, um, there's a lot of uh, imagery in, say, the Pilgr- Pilgrim's Progress that talk about um, the activity of taking you know, the believer captive and deceiving him. We're called to resist the devil who has the power of death. And so Satan is the, the leader of uh, these fallen angels. He's the, the greatest among them. And so um, Jesus refers to him. All right, when you think about demons, <coughs> I don't know where to put them. They're not man. <coughs> They're not demons. And so one of the primary ones, and you talked about it, right, in Galatians, right, is that if a if an angel, right? I before E except after C. I think that's right. Deceive. Uh, one of their primary roles is to deceive. So let's go to John. Uh, is it John eight? Yeah, let's go to John eight. What are we doing here? That's good. It's a helpful. Just like you were saying about hell, we learn a lot about. Satan through the words of Jesus. So let's read from Yeah, so in, in starting in 39, the they're answering Jesus, Abraham is our father, right? 
Abraham is our father. So if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. Right? So they're, they're basically, it's like the kids uh, almost like arguing about your dad. Like, my dad's going to mm-hmm. beat up your dad. <laughs> They're saying, well, we're all, Abraham's our father, right? And they're, they, you can see that they make an allusion to Jesus' birth. They said, and we were not born of sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. So they're really kind of poking at this fact. We know that your mother was with child, you know, before you, they were married. We were not a born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. So holding themselves up as having God, as Abraham's children. And Jesus uh, says, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I'm here. I come not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Okay, so we see that he's a liar, father of lies, and what else do we see? He says something, told him something else. Besides lying, murderer from the beginning. So how do you differentiate murder and demon and righteous killing from an angel? Is it just Say that again? murder from a demon or killing from an angel? How do you, is it just whether or not it aligns with the will of God and God's judgment? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good assessment. Yeah, so God executes judgment perfectly. So when God takes life, it's never uh, murder. Murder is like an unlawful taking of life. Murder um, is not done out of a sense of a just judgment of sin, um, but out of some other motivation. And so when God takes life he does so justly as punishment and when the angels serve as his ministers of that judgment it is just in that same sense that's a good question okay so he's liar fatherless and and murderer right what's um there's another text in john that talks about uh satan the, the thief what does it say about him still killed I'm getting, I can't write down here. Just steal, kill, and destroy, right? Steal, kill, but murderers, and destroy. John 10, 10. Yeah. And so Jesus is contrasting. And I've come to that way of life. Yeah, right? Yeah, so adversary, right? So Satan is the adversary of what everything God wants to produce. He wants to, to bring the opposite in that sense. And there's a, a lot of senses in which we see that Satan's goal is basically to reverse everything, to do the opposite of everything that, that God's done. You often talk about in the garden, right, how you've got God's created order, ruling over man and, and being the leader of the woman, and then over the whole kingdom, and Satan as the snake seeks to reverse the snake, deceiving the woman who deceives the man who rebels against God. And so there's this reversal idea that Satan does. Scott. Yeah. I think this says a lot how we should be thinking about temptation and sin. Keep going there. Because temptation temptation promises good things. 
right? Mm-hmm. It promises mm-hmm. life, it promises pleasure, it promises happiness, it promises joy. Um, but that verse, John 10, 10, and just these characteristics of Satan really remind us how we ought to be thinking about temptation. That it, it promises good, but it delivers all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing about Satan is that as a created being, and when you think about temptation, it's good to remember that um, in many cases, Satan's temptations are counterfeits of something that is a genuine, yep. right? So it's not that he's tempting us with something that God never right. gives us, right? He takes something that is wonderful that God has made and like then warps it and tries to make something fake look like that. And so when we're tempted, it's oftentimes not, it's helpful to think about, okay, I have the desire for this temptation. What is the godly way in which I ought to be fulfilling that desire? That's a good point. Okay, well, let's wrap it up there for today. And we'll kind of come in with that, starting on that next time. Getting into the, and we'll get into demon possession. No illustrations or um, <coughs> demonstrations when we get into the whole demon possession. <laughs> Unless someone's got a friend that they want to bring. <laughs> Dave or Josh, you guys can take care of it. So let's pray. Lord, as we... Read about angels and demons and study them. It's amazing to think about the spiritual reality that takes place um, invisible to us. And we get glimpses uh, through your scripture. It makes us curious. It fills us with wonder as to what these angels and demons do, how they operate, what they are like. And we're thankful so much that they all uh, were created by you for a purpose. And I pray that as we reflect upon the goodness and the greatness of the role of, of angels in God's in your in your great plan and in the life of believers, and as we think about the the adversary, the devil, and the demons and their work to to work against us and to work against you, I pray that you would just drive us to greater dependence upon you, to greater trust in you as being Lord over all. And we pray that this morning as we continue to worship you, that we would just be aware of, again, that there is a spiritual reality, um, both now and one to come, where the spiritual um, and the physical will be made right at your coming. And we long for that day, and we look forward to that day, and pray that we might help um, to serve and to honor you and to see your kingdom come uh, in this time. In Jesus' name.